coffee with Corey. And something neat happened with a listener earlier because we have our general manager on, and you were talking about Purim and how it's an opportunity to do a couple different things. It's an opportunity to give. It's an opportunity to actually minister to somebody with resources like food. And so they heard you kind of give that challenge to maybe bless two people with a meal today. And their wife had actually packed them extra lunch. And so on their way to work, they were able to bless somebody. Oh, sweet. That was homeless with that. So, you know, just a reminder, if you're just now tuning in, maybe this weekend you're going to have the opportunity to just be a blessing to somebody around you. Excellently. See, there's that hog perm sumac. That's that happy happy perm. It's this the celebration of that God connects all of us. It's perm is the one of the wonderful qualities of perm is it's not a holiday that you can celebrate alone. It's very, very important how you give and how you care. And the reason for that, and it's one of those areas we, we probably understand the least as a Christian church is we are called the bride of Christ. In other words, this feast of perm, a lot of times we look only at this great spiritual battle and this victory, but we ignore the fact that there is no such thing apart from our wedding to Jesus, apart from being made one with him and robed in white. So, and especially for guys, when we talk about being the bride of Christ, boy, that's a tough one. Because, you know, for you ladies, you can picture yourself in a wedding gown, and that's a cool (laughs) thought. But for guys, it's like, no, we're not going there. But that's... You really don't need to do that because the picture of you being married is the very the very next picture is you on a white horse in those clothes riding behind him, riding with him. So it's a victorious picture, but you don't want to, you can't get in unless you get the marriage, right? So this Feast of Purim is, is really missed a lot of times because we, we miss the, the really important things, which is the wedding. So what happens during Purim in the New Testament? Now, first to remember, Purim is always 30 days, right at 30 days before Passover. So here's two things that happened. Jesus announced that God was his father, making himself equal with God on Purim. He announced that he is both the son of God and the son of man and the Messiah, the deliverer on Purim. Those are very important because that's the revelation of who he is. Second, he healed the lame man at the pool of Bethesda on Purim. In Revelation, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding as fruit every season. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. So you have the same kind of thought as why does he do that on Purim? Because, again, he's drawing a little picture towards the future when this river is going to come from the throne right down there through through that same path that was the pathway that Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden, same pathway he walked to the cross, just this same thing towards the Mount of Olives. So both of those pictures are describing our time in heaven and the new earth. Something's happening there. So spiritually speaking, Passover, the first month, is our betrothal to Jesus. And it's there that the veil of the tabernacle is destroyed forever. You count 50 days to Pentecost, that's in the third month, which is the engagement ring. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit there. But it represents our actual wedding day in heaven. Nine more months brings you to Purim, which takes place on the last month, which should be all about our marriage day 
to him and life with him because there's no victory without favor and the intimacy in marriage is what brings that. But there is that long waiting period, right? That nine months. Perm literally represents one of the last stages of our journey where the virgin bride waiting for him to return for us. The end times involve lots of waiting. Purim takes place over the course of one year. So there's lots of waiting as we face the fear of death and destruction. So if you're wondering and even looking at this year, what am, what am I supposed to feel? Well, 2020, 5780, was a confusing year and left a lot of people angry and confused. Well, this year, 2021, 5781, does not look very different, which leads us to ask, how does 5781 figure into all of this? Well, I believe Perm is an almost perfect picture of what's coming next and for the years beyond, too. In the number 5781, uh, A is pay, the mouth, and death. One is all left, the mouth and voice of God. Well, the mouth is how we say our vows as well, our wedding vows. How we make and accept the proposal, how we declare and accept blessings. One type of death, pay, is, that's 80, is death to the former, single, unmarried self. We're saying goodbye to that life. Esther is a picture of all of this. She needed to see the king and be close enough to share her heart with him so she could tell him of the grave danger she faced along with all her people. There was one very big grave pending. It just didn't happen that way. But she had to be summoned. See, waiting to be summoned is not a random part of Purim. As the bride of Jesus, we're all waiting to be summoned to heaven for a wedding. So the plan was to fast for three days for Esther uh, with all the Jews in the kingdom. And their fast was a rend your clothes. Don't take a bath. Don't eat. And three days later, you're going to look like you've been kind of fasting. You don't look real good. And that was her plan to win the heart of the king, to to have him call her. The plan was for Esther to then go and stand near the throne room where the king could see her, desire her, and summon her. It's total dependence on God because she didn't look her best after that fast. Apart from her beautiful robe, she looked terrible. Only God giving the king love for her would cause him to summon for her. So I believe that's what this year, 5781, 2021, is about. We need a word from the king, but we need to realize that it is life or death for us to receive the word and to seek him with all that we have. We may not be facing extinction yet, but we're dealing with COVID, death, loss, corruption in our political system and with elections and so much more. God is planning on turning the tide, just not in the way we think. Last year, I assumed that adding Olive to pay would bring justice into the mix, but nope, <laughs> we got corruption instead and even more injustice. And I would remind you, if you just feel like, you know, that disappointment and what you're expecting, I thought God was going to do this and he did this and what do we make of that? Well, if you keep then this this idea that this year ahead is the year of Esther. Well, what was the significant part of Esther? Even the name, it means, or Hadassah, it means hidden, right? So there is an aspect of us as a church and who we want to be and, and the freedoms that we have that may be hidden this year, that may be not be as revealed. You may not be able to be as bold and be who you were, but there's a reason for that. And when the revelation does come, it breaks open something. So there is this beautiful picture of a faith like Esther's in Mark 14, speaking of Jesus. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar, poured the perfume on his head. So this tender story about Jesus, Yeshua, which means salvation, was anointed before his crucifixion. Why did the alabaster box need to be broken? 
Mary could have simply opened it and poured out the nard. Well, some say this extremely expensive, precious perfume, which might have been Mary's dowry, so she refused to use that box for any other purpose after anointing him. That's why it was broken. If so, that meant Mary understood that she was representing all of us as his bride, and her tender gift was an expression of a bridal vow to Jesus alone. See, God is asking for total devotion and commitment, a soul that will give the best of everything she has. It's a picture of brokenness, which is followed by anointing with its beautiful fragrance. Every devoted follower who has ever offered themselves to Jesus experiences circumstances that break them just like this. The result is that the fragrance of perfume fills the room following the breaking. Meaning people broken before the Lord smell different, right? Their humility and love set an environment that is unmistakable. Corinthians 2 says, or 2 Corinthians 2, for we're to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So we become an inspiration to others as they walk through the situations that break them. When we offer ourselves and our most precious things on the altar of sacrifice, it's then that we're like the five wise virgins, virgins with sufficient oil for the wedding, we bring him pleasure that will fill the room. Coming up, we're going to wrap it up with the Bride of Christ.